You're listening to Matt Walsh On Demand. All right, welcome, welcome, and we are live. Uh, not really, we're not really live, but I like to, it's make-believe, I like to pretend. Uh, welcome in, hello neighbors and, and fellow citizens of the United States of America. So I want to talk about this Baltimore thing, uh, Baltimore, as that's how you can you know that I'm, I'm from the Baltimore area, because we, we call it Baltimore. Uh, some people, depending on where you are in, in Maryland, there are different accents, but uh, if you're from, say, Dundalk, Maryland, you might say more Balmer, so it's B-A-L-M-E-R. But the way that I pronounce it, it's B-A-W-D-I-M-O-R-E, Baltimore. So I want to talk about this Baltimore thing, this, uh, this Freddie Gray thing. Fortunately, where I live now, currently, it's in Maryland. We're about, you know, we're about um, 30 minutes away from Baltimore uh, currently. So we're, so, so, so we're far enough away that I wasn't actually worried about my wife and kids. Although I have um, my parents, uh, my sister, I've got a lot of friends that live right there. I mean, I mean just maybe... 10, 15 minutes away, sometimes in some cases closer to where some of this stuff was going on. Where I grew up and where my family, uh, more, where my parents and some of my family still live, it's uh, you just hop on. There's Reisterstown Road. You hop on Reisterstown Road 140 and you drive maybe about 10 miles and there you are in, um, in Baltimore City. Now, or you could take 83, you get there a lot quicker. There were rumors um, on Tuesday about a purge, quote-unquote, you know, riots and looting that was supposed to occur at the Owings Mills Mall, which I talked about in a piece that I wrote earlier this week about the Owings Mills Mall, which is a, a mall that I used to hang out at when I was a kid, about, about three, four miles away from my house. But now the mall is just a, a ghost town, and it's not the safest place to be because what they did at this mall is they built a, a subway stop right next to the mall. And then the subway stop is built, People from the city come, and within years, within within just a couple of years, uh, the mall is a ghost town. There's there's you know drug busts going on in the parking lot, and there's gang activity, and it's sad that it works that way, but that's how it works. I've seen it play out around this area time and time and time again. You've got places that are safe, that are nice, that are family friendly, and then you build a subway stop or you build a bus stop, and boom, it's not like that anymore. Now. That's not racism for me to say that it works that way. That's just how it works. That's how it's worked in the Baltimore area, Baltimore County. This is, this is what we've seen play out over and over and over and over again. But, but you're not allowed to talk about that. You're not allowed to talk about that. You've got towns like Randallstown, Maryland, which is uh, maybe seven, eight miles from where I grew up. Randallstown, Maryland used to be a, used to be a Jewish area, uh, used to be a safe area. And then you had city elements coming and moving into Randallstown, and now it's and now it's just a, a horrible, dangerous, economically depressed place. Over and over and over again, this is this is how it's worked. But you're not allowed to talk about that because it's racist for some reason. Um, it's racist to to recognize reality. It's racist to talk about racial issues or crime issues. Basically, whatever the issue is, you aren't allowed to recognize the reality of it anymore without being racist or bigoted or homophobe or transphobic or whatever the whatever the, the word happens to be the label happens to be for um, that particular topic what I, what I want to do is in, in talking about what's going on in Baltimore with the, and, and, and um, the overall the overall uh, issue at play is I want to whittle this down to to kind of an individual matter um, so all right several days into the protests in Baltimore 
after Freddie Gray, who, as you know, you've heard the story by now, man in his 20s, longtime criminal, 18 arrests on his record, known drug dealer, was arrested, and at some point, his spine was severed. He was, he was severely injured. Um, his spine was severed, and, and he died. But the injury happened while in police custody, and we still don't know what occurred exactly. Now, by the time you're listening to this, maybe we know more. I don't know. Um, they're saying they might release findings. The police department will, will hand the investigation over to the state's um, attorney's office on Friday, and maybe we'll find out more. But, uh, and I just read a report in the New York Times saying that everyone involved, state, local authorities, Gray's family, everyone actually involved in the investigation, not, not, not to say the rioters and the looters and the media and everyone, but, but everyone actually involved that actually has a stake in it, they would rather the investigation be done right than done quickly. So uh, God forbid. So maybe we don't find out anytime soon. I don't know. Uh, last night, information was leaked from the police report saying that a man who was arrested and in the police van with Gray, he wasn't arrested with Gray, but he was in, the, in that police van. He had also been arrested on a separate incident, I believe. Um, he says that he heard Gray injuring himself. He, uh, allegedly, uh, Gray was banging himself, banging his head against the police van. Um, and, and that's the report. That's what the man said. This was allegedly another suspected criminal saying this, not a police officer. And maybe that's true. You know, I don't think he severed his spine that way, but maybe Gray was belligerent. Uh, maybe at some point he got into a scuffle with the cops and the, and the injury occurred. Or maybe this was sheer police brutality and he was killed by these cops. Maybe it was murder um, by one cop or two or three or, or, or however many. Maybe something kind of in between those two points. Right now, as I record this on Thursday morning, we don't know. Maybe when you listen to it, we do. But right now, as I'm saying it, we don't know. And, but we can assume and we have assumed. Because the thing about the mob, and I'm not just talking about the mob in Baltimore, uh, you know, rioting and looting and burning down buildings. I'm talking about the mob of the general public. It's that we never, ever, ever learn. But either way, you know, I don't want to get into that. Either way, no matter how it happened, we know two things, like I said. We know Freddie Gray is dead, which is very sad. And we know that Freddie Gray had been arrested 18 times, was a known drug dealer. Um... He was a criminal, in other words, and, and we know that. So in my discussion of this topic, I wrote something earlier in the week. And um, well, in fact, I'll, I'll read what I wrote. I feel egotistical quoting myself uh, in the words of me, in the words of a philosopher known as Matt Walsh. Um, I feel I, I don't like quoting myself, but I but just just there's a reason why I'm doing it. So let me there, there's one uh, passage from what I wrote that I want to read to you. Um, and, and this is what I said. I said, we're constantly informed that black people are under attack, yet every single symbolic case they choose involves the death of a black person who happened to also be a known criminal. We still don't know the circumstances surrounding Freddie's great death, Freddie Gray's death, um, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I don't need to read that part. But either way, the fact remains that Michael Brown, Eric Gardner, and Freddie Gray were not law-abiding, helpful, constructive members of society. That doesn't mean they deserve to die. But it does mean they put themselves in a category of people who are more likely to be involved in violent interactions with cops. And that category isn't black people, it's criminals. Freddie Gray was a known drug dealer, 18 arrests on his record. Yet people have the nerve to complain that he was profiled. Of course he was profiled. He was a thug. A perpetual problem. Is it, is, is it unreasonable that police officers, somewhere around maybe the 12th or 13th time they arrest you in the span of a couple of years, might start to be suspicious? The point is, you can't convince the world that cops are out to exterminate black citizens when your most prominent case studies are men like Brown, Garner, and Gray. 
If they prove anything, it's that cops tend to get rough with guys who demonstrate a disregard for the law. Does that justify it? No, but it does take the racial component out of it, especially considering white people are killed by cops too, maybe even more often, according to some studies, and logic would tell us most of them were involved in criminal activity as well. I often hear it said that cops are terrorizing black people, but if law enforcement can be considered terrorism, what do you say about the people selling poison to kids and shooting each other over which over who gets to stand on which corner? Are they suddenly the protagonists in this twisted fairy tale? No, the dealers and thugs and gangsters are the terrorists, and they're the ones the police have to handle every day, all day, all week, all year, for as long as they stay on the job. If we're supposed to appreciate the context, which leads a person to smash open a storefront and steal bags of Fritos from the snack aisle, can't we at least appreciate the context which leads cops to sometimes have a less than pleasant demeanor around predators, deadbeats, and social parasites? That doesn't mean they all, white or black, should be shot. It just means that crooks have a lifestyle that exposes them to this danger more so than the rest of us. Watching the footage of the Baltimore riots, we see one protester after another complaining that cops are out here killing black men, but they completely leave out the first portion of that sentence, which is the part about how black men are out here committing violent crimes. How could anyone think that the two facts are mutually exclusive and unrelated as if cops are randomly strolling up to black patrons waiting in line at Starbucks and executing them for the hell of it? No, black men in the city often lead lives full of crime and violence, and often it ends at the point of a gun. Usually it's another black criminal holding the gun, but in a small minority of cases, it's a cop. And in a small minority of that minority, the cop is killing unjustly. When that happens, the cop has to answer for it. But you don't get to take those instances and use them to paint all cops as villains and all black men as innocent victims. It's absurd, and these riots illustrate the absurdity in stark detail. Um... Okay, now I read that whole thing because that's the part that has especially upset people. Um, you know, I write things and sometimes people are upset. Can you believe that? I, can you believe it? They say, uh, they say I'm victim blaming in these cases. Um, you know, how dare I suggest that the best way to avoid being killed by cops, justly or unjustly, is to avoid committing crimes. How dare I? You know, that's, that's victim blaming. Uh, people, many, many, many people have accused me of doing what quote unquote rape culture apologists do when, uh, they say that women should avoid dressing up and revealing sexual outfits and getting blackout drunk and going out to bars and frat parties in order to minimize their chances of being sexually assaulted. Uh, you know, you, you hear that argument sometimes from very terrible people. They'll say, hey, women, you know, don't don't do that because it's dangerous. And one of the dangers, one of the many dangers could be sexual assault. So, so you know, you, you shouldn't do that. And there are people comparing my Freddie Gray argument where I say, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't go out and commit crimes every day. Um, and then you'll minimize the chances of 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 uh, of being a victim of either justified or unjustified police violence. And people are comparing those two things, saying, you know, me doing that with Freddie Gray, is, it's almost as if I would, I would also say that uh, to women. And you know what? They're actually not wrong. Um, I am, in fact, one of those intolerable barbarians who thinks perhaps we should encourage young women to not do reckless things so as to avoid being in dangerous situations. I am one of those people. God help me. God help me. Yes, I am one of those people. So, so yes, I believe that young men in the city or older men or women or anyone anywhere um, should not live a lifestyle of thuggery and crime because among the many drawbacks, you do put yourself constantly at odds with the cops and this can have negative consequences. So you shouldn't do it.
Um, I also believe that young women or older women or men or anyone anywhere should not dress up in outfits explicitly designed to draw attention and then get blackout drunk and go out in public to bars and parties and those sorts of things. In fact, you shouldn't do that. That second part, regardless of what you're wearing or where you go, but what you're wearing and where you go can just add points to the negative dangerous column. So I, I believe both. I believe you shouldn't do either of those things. Um, and both beliefs are there are similarities between those beliefs. Uh, basically, what I'm saying is that to the extent that we can, we should take charge of ourselves and our actions. We should do what we can individually to make healthy, constructive, good choices. Because those are just better choices, objectively. And, and because um, those kinds of choices, the other kinds of choices, uh, have serious pitfalls that come with them. And they can put us at serious risk. This is, this is, my, this is my message. This, this is my underlying message in, in so many with so many stories. And there are people on my side of this who, who, who say, look, the first thing that we, before we worry about institutions and solving all of the problems in society, the first thing we can do is make better choices ourselves individually. And that's a really important message. That's a good and compassionate message. That's a message that shows concern for real people. If Freddie Gray was, was still alive and I had a chance to talk to him, I would tell him, yeah, I would tell him, don't, don't do this. Don't live this lifestyle. Leave it behind because it's, because it's, uh, it's, it's dangerous. It puts you at risk. It's wrong, first of all, but it also puts you at serious risk. And I don't want you to be at risk. I would tell him that. Is that wrong for me to say that? Are you actually saying that, I, that that's a wrong message? Yes, we should take responsibility for ourselves. We cannot control other people, but we can control ourselves. So let's do that first. You know, I remember uh, there was a story a while ago about these uh, teenagers who, uh, from the reports that I read, they, they uh, some of them anyway, got high and they went to the zoo, which there's already a mistake. Mistake number one, being intoxicated or under the influence at the zoo. And then they went up and they started taunting the tigers and lions in the big cat display. Um, and eventually a lion leaped over the enclosure and attacked them. And, uh, one kid was killed. It's a horrible story, just absolutely horrible. But in the aftermath, I remember there, there, there was a lot of discussion about increasing safety at the zoo and, you know, what can we do, build higher fences? What, what can we do to stop this from happening? And yes, I was among those who, who as callous as it sounds, I was among those who said, look, it's terrible. What happened? I hate it. But here's the first thing you can do. Don't taunt the freaking lions. That's the first thing you can do. Don't, don't go and taunt the lions out of spite and say, well, in principle, the zoo should have better protections in place. Maybe they should, but not all of them do. And besides, that's just a dumb, bad decision. So don't do it. It's about making the right choices. Freddie Gray was not making the right choices with his life at all. So a really constructive message is to say, uh, make the right choices and you avoid dangerous situations. Similar to someone who gets plastered, you know, inebriated, plastered out in public, goes around flirting and all this, not the right choice. They don't deserve to be assaulted, raped, robbed or whatever. They don't deserve it. But it's still very constructive to say to that person, hey, 
Uh, first way to avoid being assaulted, raped, robbed, whatever, while you're wandering around blackout drunk through a party or a bar is to not wander around blackout drunk through a party or a bar. Don't, don't do that. It's, it's a bad decision. That does not mean I'm excusing rape or police brutality. It's not excusing it. It's just saying that the first thing, the very first thing we can do to individually avoid being victimized is to make the right choices ourselves. Why is this a controversial opinion? That's the state of things right now, is that it's a controversial opinion to say that we should take charge of ourselves. It's sort of like, um, okay, let's say I'm walking home in the city and I'm walking home and uh, I come across a fork in the road. And to the left is a dark, dingy, trash-strewn alley but between a strip joint and a liquor store with tweakers and junkies having sex by a dumpster and a figure hiding in the shadows there. Um, and, and the other is a well-lit road through a commercial district with lots of people in stores and security cameras. Okay, So those are, my, those are, the, those are the two options. And both will get me home at, at around the same time. So um, now, if, if I go left down the alley, do I deserve whatever horrible thing happens? Do I deserve it? No, I, I don't deserve it. You, I mean, if we're talking about me personally, you might, depending on who you are, think I do actually deserve it. But if you were there, which way would you advise me to go? Uh, well, you, depending on who you are, you might really advise me to go, to go left. Um, but, okay, let's take me out of it. Let's say it's your friend. Your friend is walking home. Which way do you tell him to go? If he asks you. Your friend calls you up on the phone and says, hey, I'm... Uh, Maybe he's, he's trying to get to your house. He's lost. And he's like, look, I'm, I'm, trying, to get, I'm trying to get to your house. I don't know which way to go. And, uh, and you ask him, okay, where are you? Tell me, tell, tell me landmarks. And he says, okay, well, I'm, I'm kind of at a, at a fork in the road. And, and one way there's uh, this, this road, this nice cobblestone road with, with lots of businesses. And it's really well lit. And there, there are people walking around. And there's like a, a caribou coffee right here. And, uh, and there, are, there are, you know, children skipping through the street, eating snow cones. And... Um, and there's a, there's a street uh, performer performing magic tricks. Uh, so that's one way. And then, and then you're like, well, okay, well, what's the other way? Well, it's a, it's a very dark alley, and uh, I think there are some drug addicts by a dumpster. I think they're, they're engaged in sexual activity. And I, I see a guy hiding in the shadows, and there's something gleaming in his, in his waistband. Um, and it's right in between a, a strip joint and a, and a liquor store, and it goes off into the darkness. I'm not sure where it leads. So what do you tell him? Do you say, well, I think, uh, you know, either way is good. Maybe go left. You know, maybe you should go that way through the alley. Or do you say, no, no matter what you do, do not go left. Now, when you tell him to go right, when you say go right, are you excusing the person who might mug him or kill him in the alley? That guy there, the shadowy figure, are you, ex are you making excuses for the shadowy figure? No, you're not. Wouldn't it be weird if you said, hey, you should definitely not walk down the dark alley and your friend said, oh, so now you think it's okay for someone to rob and kill me, do you? Now you're victim blaming me. You would say, what? What? I mean, what? No, I don't want that to happen. And, 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 and right now you have a choice and one choice definitely might result in that and the other probably won't. I'm just saying do the thing that probably won't. Now, your friend might say, well, nobody should hurt me, and, and the person who hurts me should be told not to hurt me. So rather than me being told to avoid getting hurt, maybe you should tell him not to hurt me. So I'm going to walk down the aisle, the, 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 uh, the alley, just to prove a point, just out of spite, just to offend you, you damn mugging apologist. And then, and, then, and then maybe he does, and he does, and he gets mugged and killed and left in a dumpster. And it's not right. It's not fair. 
but he could have chosen differently and avoided it, is the point. Of course, this analogy works more for the drunk of the bar thing than for the Freddie Gray thing. Because, you know, walking around scantily clad and drunk is not a crime, unless, you're, unless there's driving involved. But uh, it, it's not a crime. It's, it's reckless behavior, but it's not a crime. And just like walking down the alley is reckless, but it's not a criminal activity. So it doesn't exactly work. The analogy doesn't really work for Freddie Gray. Now, now uh, drug dealing is a crime. So in Gray's case, I think, and in Michael Brown, Eric Gardner, Garner, et cetera, um, they're choosing the reckless road that also happens to be immoral and criminal on its own. So the better analogy would be, let's, let's think of this analogy. It would be if your uh, friend was walking home and down the right was the commercial district with the security cameras and the children with the uh, you know, snow cones and all that. And, and down the other way is the alley. And your friend said, you know what? I'm going to walk into that alley and punch that shadowy figure in the face. That's what I'm going to do. So he has two choices. One is good, safe, and moral. The other is dangerous, unsafe, and immoral and might directly provoke somebody. So you would recommend the good, safe, moral one, wouldn't you? And to make your case, you'll start by saying, no, don't do that. Don't go punch that guy. It's, it's wrong to do. You shouldn't do it. But you might also, if you, if you really get into a debate and he's not convinced by that, he might say, well, yeah, it's wrong, but I feel like doing it. So you might also say, yeah, but if you punch that guy, he might kill you. And it's true that he shouldn't kill you. Um, now, if you go up and start punching him repeatedly in the face and he fears for his life, then, then, then maybe he should. But uh, if you punch him and, then, and, then, and then, then start to walk away, he shouldn't pull out a knife and slit your throat in retaliation, but he might. And, and by punching him, you've severely increased that possibility. You have provoked it, even. That doesn't excuse how the guy reacts. But it also doesn't excuse the objectively bad choice on your part. So that's what we have here in these cases. Now, now I'm talking specifically about, not the rape, but the, but the police brutality. Okay? Basically, people are saying that they should be able to constantly punch the police in the face, metaphorically or literally, and, and, and by committing crimes and dealing drugs and getting into scuffles with the cops. And they should never have to worry about police brutality. Just, they should never have to worry about it. They should, be, they should do whatever they want. Whatever they want to commit any crime and never have to worry about it. It should never be a concern. You think of Rodney King. The guy's hopped up on drugs, getting into fights with the cops. They never should have beat him. It doesn't matter. They never should have beat him. He never should have had to worry about that. He should be able to get hopped up on drugs and commit crimes and go around picking fights with cops and never have to be concerned that, um, that his own safety is in jeopardy. He never should. That's what people are saying. And they say because, you know, cops should be better than that. And, and maybe they're right. That cops should be better than that. I mean, they are right. Cops should be better than that. Yes. But not all of them are. That's a reality. Not all of them are. That's simply a reality. And this is one of the problems with progressivism is that it constantly tells you that you can ignore the reality, but you can't. You cannot ignore it. Or you can, but you'll suffer the consequences. And besides, um, even if the cops way, 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 way overreact to the point of murder, okay? You still threw yourself into this dangerous situation when you didn't have to. And you still yourself did something that was objectively wrong. You don't deserve the way, the way overreaction. And in fact, the cops that do in that case, I mean, if they just straight up commit murder, if that's what happened with Freddie Gray, which I know the entire world is willing to assume, and maybe they're right, I still would like, you know, just in general, I, I prefer to have facts before I 
come to conclusions, but that's just my, yeah, that's just sort of a personal, that's a personal preference. You know, everyone has their own strategy, but, um, if this guy was straight up murdered, then those cops should go to jail. The ones involved should go to jail. And if there was any attempt at cover up, then the people involved in that should go to jail, should go to prison. But everything I'm saying would still hold true. And it's still an important message. If you're interested in actually helping people, then we have to tell people individually to make better choices. And yeah, you could also tell the cops, you need to make better choices too. And we all, and we all say that all the time, don't we? I, I don't think there's any, there isn't any, um, uh, there hasn't been a scarcity of, of lecturing of the police. I think that's happened quite a bit. So people are telling cops, yes, you need to act better, make better choices. But are you telling me we shouldn't also say that to criminals? Are, are you telling me we shouldn't tell the criminals to also make better choices? Now, here's an important distinction. A really important distinction. We should not discourage objectively good or courageous choices uh, this way. By ta- so, so think about the analogy of the alley, okay? Let's say your friend uh, has two choices. Go down the, the right road, which is actually right in this case, or go down left down the alley. And let's say he's going to go right, but then he looks down the alley and he sees a woman being attacked. And he runs in to save her, even though he's putting his life in jeopardy. And let's say he's killed in the, in the attempt. Now, it's true in that case that if he hadn't made that choice, he'd still be alive. But he was making a good and courageous choice. And so we should not try to discourage good and courageous choices necessarily by pointing out the negative consequences. Now, if you were talking to your friend on the phone and he says, says, I'm going to run in and try to save that woman. um, You might say, I don't know, you might say, well, why don't you call the cops instead? I don't want you to get hurt. If he chooses to run in, it was still a good and courageous choice. And afterwards, the cops might say, they might say, as you hear in these kind of cases sometimes, hey, look, don't be a vigilante, call the police, I don't want anyone to get hurt. But I think we would all agree that your friend in that case made, a, made, made uh, maybe a choice a lot of people wouldn't make because they're afraid or because they, you know, they, they, or, or whatever reason. But he made a good choice and he should be honored and commended for it, even though he, he did suffer um, the worst sort of consequence for it. So it's a different sort of thing. So if you have a, a, a black man who is just gunned down in cold blood. You have a law-abiding citizen just walking his kids to school in the morning, and he's gunned down, he's executed in the street by police for no reason. Of course, in that case, you wouldn't respond by saying, well, maybe you shouldn't walk your kids to school. Maybe you should stay inside. Because in that case, you actually, then you are being an apologist for a murderer. You're being an apologist for tyranny. You're telling someone to not perform a neutral or good act because they're afraid of the consequences. And that's a totally different animal. I'm talking about when the act is objectively bad and destructive and immoral. That's when, if somebody suffers the worst kind of consequence, even if it's a consequence that you might say they, quote, should not have had to suffer, even if it was a bad choice, we should still say when discussing the incident afterwards, hey, you know, don't, don't make these choices. Here, here's, here's yet another reason why. And this message is, is especially important because we live in a culture that tells us now to do whatever we want. And, uh, and if, the, if, if anything bad ever happens from it, then it was unfair and, uh, and, and wrong.
And so everyone else should just ignore that consequence and just continue doing bad, bad things. It's like when, when the media, they constantly cite the uh, numbers of, of black people that have been shot by, by police. You'll hear them throw out, you know, you're watching MSNBC and some race baiter comes on and says, all these people have been, all these black men have been shot by cops. And they don't even mention that, okay, well, how many of them were shooting at cops themselves? How many of them were, in the act, were shot by cops in the middle of a violent act? How many were, were trying to kill cops while they were shot? You're just, but what they do is they lump it all together. They're saying it doesn't matter. So if there is a situation, which this is not an epidemic, like it's happening every day, but if there has been a case, let's say this year, of a, of a black man just literally just walking down the street, totally law-abiding, doing nothing wrong, and he is shot for no reason by cops, just executed for no reason. He did nothing wrong, okay? Let's say that has happened. And then let's say you have 50 cases of black men being shot while shooting at police themselves. So what the, what the, the, the race baiter on MSNBC will do is lump them all together and act like there's no distinction to be made. Act like the guy that was shooting at the cop was as much a victim as the guy that was just walking down the street. What they're saying is that the choices you make leading up to the, to the altercation should have no bearing at all on our analysis of the situation, which is deranged. I mean, it's a deranged mentality. And it's like when we talk about, and again, these situations are, are different for all the reasons that I've highlighted, but just in the realm of taking responsibility for our decisions and making constructive choices, uh, when we talk about the rape epidemic on campus and... And again, you have feminists scratching their heads and saying, oh, all these uh, women are being raped and, and uh, what can we do about it? And, uh, well, okay, but you have, uh, with the culture on campus now, uh, you have young men and women who get together in close quarters and purposely drink to the point where they have no idea what's going on. And it's part of the hookup culture and they get together in these, in these close quarters and they drink to the point of, of, of not knowing what's going on within the context of the, of the hookup culture. So it's a sexually charged environment. And so one thing we could do is encourage people to not, is, is we could address that. We could say, well, that's probably not a good idea. You know, it's not a good idea to, to involve yourself in that environment and then to purposefully get yourself to the point where you don't know what's going on. That's not a good idea. But the feminists, again, with a deranged mentality, will we'll say that there's no distinction to be made at all between, say, a woman who's walking home or you know, going to her car after, after, after her shift at Denny's and, and is abducted and brutally raped by, by masked men in a van. There's that rape. There's no distinction to be made between that and, let's say, a woman and, and, a, and a, a guy and a, and, a, and a woman who both get blackout drunk at a party and then have sex. And uh, the next day, the woman says, well, I, you know, I never really consented to that because I was, I was inebriated. What the feminists will do is there's no distinction between those two things. None. Exactly the same, they say. Exactly the same. But of course, that's, it, it's idiotic. And it's, and it's wrong. I mean, it's getting, that kind of, that kind of message gets people killed. It gets people in serious trouble. It gets people hurt. Because yeah, you would never say to a woman, well, hey, don't work, you know? Hey, don't walk to your car. You wouldn't say that to a woman. 
But you might say, and you should say, hey, don't go out and get drunk and have sex with people. Don't do that. I mean, it's just not a good, it's just not, it's an objectively, it's just not good. It's not a good decision. And uh, it's just not a good thing to do. And that's a choice that you make that you shouldn't make. I mean, just don't, don't do that. Man, woman, doesn't matter who you are. Don't do it. But this is, this is progressivism, ladies and gentlemen. Removing personal responsibility from the equation entirely. They want it taken out. They do not want it factored in. They never want to be told that they are at all responsible for anything that ever happens to them. They, they don't want to be told it. It's childish, frankly. It's childish. Progressivism is an ideology uh, for children. I mean, it's an ideology for, for emotionally stunted juveniles. And unfortunately, it's been adopted by actual grown adults. And you see, you know, what's, what's happening because of it. All right, that's going to do it for me. Uh, Facebook.com slash Matt Walsh blog, at Matt Walsh blog on Twitter. And I will talk to you next week. Akruche Salus. Godspeed, everybody.